Uh, you've dealt with conflict with people. Um, some of you in your family you deal with conflict or at work or in the community. Uh, you have dealt with conflict. Some of you are in the midst of conflict. And this is what I've come to learn and I've actually come to believe is that almost all conf- conflict comes from unmet, unrealistic expectations. I mean, think about it. Think about that in the, in the conflict you're in right now. It almost always comes down to unmet, unrealistic expectations of someone or something. So if you're here and you're married and you think of a conflict you've had with your spouse, almost always it's because you had this expectation of them and they just didn't meet that expectation. Or if you work and so you you have an employer, you have a boss, they didn't meet an expectation. Or if you have someone underneath you, they didn't do what they were supposed to do. They didn't meet the expectations. And I know as a dad, most of the conflict I have with my kids, it's because of expectations of them. Oftentimes, it's because I expect too much. I expect too much. I expect too much of my kids. I don't know if you've ever said this, if you have kids, and if you don't have kids, maybe this was said to you, but I have a very intelligent, very bright, beautiful uh, daughter who's 10. Uh, but there's times where I forget that she's 10. Yeah. I forget that she's 10. And so I've said things like, Kennedy, you are 10 years old, yeah. <laughs> right? Meaning you, you should know better or you should do this. But then I, I take a step back and I have to remind myself She's only 10 years old, right? And so for you and I, there are these expectations that we put on ourselves even. These expectations that we put on ourselves. And so today we're going to look at this idea that Paul has, these expectations he has for those pe- these people who call themselves followers of Jesus. These expectations, not the expectations that we put on ourselves, but the expectations that God has for us. And then the other thing that we're going to look at today is it's going to be interesting because Paul's going to try and remind these early Christians, these first followers in this, in this city of Philippi, what it meant to follow Jesus in the beginning. He's going to need to remind them. It's only been 10 years. And so if you haven't been here, this is a long series we're going through. We're looking through Philippians. Uh, if you've missed it, you can go back on our YouTube channel. You can watch it. And I don't want to recap too much, but uh, th- this church had started about 10 years before Paul is writing back to them. So it's only been 10 years. It's only been 10 years since they first heard the good news that Jesus has come and he gave his life for all people, right? And I hope you get sick of hearing this, honestly, that the, the, the good news is and the bad news is that, that everyone is broken. Yeah. We're all broken people. We're really broken people. Every one of us. But, but the good news is, the good news is, is that everyone is loved. Everyone is deeply loved in the midst of that brokenness. And so these people hear this in Philippi and they respond to what's called the gospel, the good news. They respond and the, the, the response is that they've done nothing to earn it. Nothing to earn it. It's just this free gift to them. And so they respond and they start this first church. And we've talked about this. It is kind of a hodgepodge of people. They are diverse in every way you could possibly think. In culture, in race, in finances, in age, in gender. They are a diverse group of people, but they come together for one reason, and that's because of Jesus, and that's it. And they form this early church. And so sometimes we have to be reminded about things. We forget. We forget easily. Forget easily. Uh, This last week, my in-laws were on a cruise, and they're fostering a little boy I've talked about, and uh, he's two years old. And so we kept him for nine nights. We kept... uh, (laughs) This, this uh, little two-year-old. And so we have a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. And we're at a place in life with a five and 10-year-old. Things are fairly easy and routine. And, and then you throw in a two-year-old, right? And he was getting up an hour earlier than our kids. And he was sleeping in the same room and waking them up. And it's poopy diapers again. And 
you forget, you forget what it's like to have a little kid. But I remembered quickly. I remembered quickly all of those things. And sometimes we just need to be reminded. So Paul's going to do two things. He's going to lay out some expectations. And in doing this, he's hoping to remind these early Christians what they first believed. Because at some point, something has gotten in the way. And so we're going to be looking in Philippians 3. Philippians 3. If you don't own a Bible, there should be a Bible around you somewhere. Uh, We'd love for you to have that. That's our gift to you. There'll be a page number for that red Bible um, as well. So I'm going to read through this, and then I'll go back and pull out some chunks and, and, and talk about it. Philippians 3, starting verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. There's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for uh, this word. Thank you for um, what we've just read. God, I pray that it just wouldn't be something we hear today, but it would something, be something that sinks into our minds and our hearts and our souls, that we couldn't leave here the same. God, would you correct some of our thinking? I, I pray for my friends here who have been followers of you for a long time, and they've got into an idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus I pray for those who are maybe new to the idea of of you, God. I pray that this would be a fresh and and, and new approach to what it means to follow you. But more importantly, God, would you move me aside this morning? And would you speak to us, not just my words, but would we hear from you today? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so he's going to start off just really simply. Some of this uh, I'll spend more time on, and some of them we'll, we'll just kind of breeze through. That the very beginning where he talks about, uh, it's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. He's just saying, look, I've written to this you before in other letters. I'm reminding you once again what I've already reminded you. And that's okay. It's okay because we need to hear it. Again, we need to hear it over and over because we forget very easily. Verse two, he says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. Now, what, what Paul is talking about here are these men specifically who were coming in and changing the gospel. They were coming in and saying, yeah, the gospel is good, but you need to add to it. 
It wasn't enough. We need to add some stuff to what Paul had told you. If you really are going to follow Jesus, and ultimately what they were doing is these were Jewish people who were coming to them, and they were saying, you need to become like us. You need to become like a Jewish person, and that's where the circumcision comes in. So, so for a good Jewish person at any age, this is really hard to believe and understand, but at any age, if you became, a, 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 when you were a Jewish person, if you didn't get circumcised when you were young, you got circumcised when you were older. Ouch, yes, yeah. That's sacrifice, that's sacrifice. And so he's saying the gospel is good news, but it's just not quite enough. And so Paul's saying you gotta watch out for those people. Watch out for anyone who wants to add to or take anything away from the good news of Jesus. Watch out for those people. And what they were so concerned about was this outward appearance. Did it appear to everyone that my life had been changed? And so the circumcision was a sign of what they believed a symbol of, of sorts. And so he's saying, if you want to follow Jesus, if you really want to believe the good news, you, you got to do more. You got to do more. And the other thing that they would become enamored with was this idea as I'm not as bad as those people. They would have the idea that you should have seen me before. Like I'm way better than I used to be. You should have seen me in high school. You should have seen me in college. You should have seen me when I first got married. My life is looking better and it's looking different. And it was this complete outward appearance and giving the appearance that we had it all or they had it all together. Now there's this moment where Jesus kind of talks about this. Uh, if you want to flip over, if you have a Bible with you, it, it actually won't be on the, the screen, but Luke 18, uh, Jesus actually gets kind of wind of this, that this is kind of how people are beginning to kind of think. And so he tells a, a story, a parable. So Luke 18 verse nine, he says this, to some who are confident of their own righteousness, that they've made themselves right before God that they've done something or they didn't do something. And because of that, they're now in right standing with God. So to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, a religious person, and the other a tax collector. We've talked about this. The tax collectors were kind of the scum of the earth. They were crooks and they were stealing from their own people to give back to a government who, who basically were, were punishing them. So nobody liked tax collectors. So you have the religious person and you have the tax collector. It says the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So you have the Pharisee, the religious person who stands up and says, look how good I am. Look how good I am. Look, look at everything I don't do and look at everything I do. And aren't you pleased with me that I'm not like them? But the tax collector, verse 13, but the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so Paul's saying, you've got to watch out for those people. You have to watch out for the people who want to add to or take away from the message that you first heard. Now, we live in this culture where people are always exalting themselves. People are always wanting to be noticed. People are wanting everyone to know how great they are or what they've done. And, and in a political world, that is exactly what we're hearing, is it not? And so the next statement I'm about to make is not a political statement. 
It is a statement about humanity, okay? It is not a political statement. It is a statement about humanity. So our, our politicians currently, and all of them do this, they all talk about what they've done. Look what I've done. And then what they do is they want to point out everything bad that everyone else has done. Right? So look what I've done, but look how bad they are. And a certain candidate, without naming, uh, who claims to be a Christian, when asked if he had asked about forgiveness or asked for forgiveness, he responded like this. I'm not sure I have. I just go on and try to do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think if I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. No, no, here's the thing. This isn't a person who would say, I don't believe in God. So if you don't believe in God, I would understand you saying, I don't need to ask for forgiveness. But you have a person who says, yeah, I believe in God. I've, I've been to church. I would consider myself a, a Christian. Forgiveness, I don't need that. I don't need that because what I'll do is just when I make mistakes, and I rarely make mistakes, is I'll just be better. And so Paul says, when you come in contact with people that, like that, watch out. And so let me just be honest. If, if you're here and maybe Trinity isn't where you call your home, and I'd love for this to be that place. I'd love for this to be a place where you come and, again, you belong and you investigate what it means to follow Jesus. But if this isn't that place, there are some really good churches in our area. So I hope you do find somewhere. But just be careful. Watch out for anyone who makes these empty promises. Watch out for anyone who says, if you do this, then God will do this. Anytime something gets added or taken away from the gospel, it is not the gospel anymore. It is no longer the good news. It is something man has made. And so Paul right here says, watch out for those people. And not only watch out, but he calls them dogs. And so then Paul goes into a little flashback for a moment. And he talks about everything he could boast about. Right? He, he says in verse 4 through 6, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, in your own humanness, and how good you are or not, and what you've not done wrong, he says, I have more. I'm circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. What Paul does right here is he just lists his resume. And he says, if anyone has a reason to boast about how good they are, it's Paul. Yeah. He was a good Jewish boy. He grew up in the right home. His family was extremely religious. He wasn't just simply a convert into it. He was born into it. And then he gives this lineage. It wasn't just that he was any Jewish guy, but he came from the right people. He throws out names, the, the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin was, uh, uh, the, the tribe of Benjamin, that was where the, the first king comes from. He gave Israel the first king and King Saul and a Hebrew of Hebrews is a statement that does with his heritage and lineage and says, I do it better than anybody. And then he says, a Pharisee. So I just showed you the picture of the Pharisee who, who has it all together on the outside, who from a distance says, man, they, they're doing everything right. They don't do anything wrong. And so he calls himself a Pharisee in regard to the law, meaning he, he adheres to the law to point. He doesn't go against what the law says. And as for, for zeal, he persecuted the church. Now, he wasn't saying what he had done wrong here. Because what Paul is saying is, look, I believed in what I believe so strongly that anyone who believed against me, I was against them. So anyone who wanted to come against his Jewish foundation and his belief, he was going to go after. And we've talked about this. He persecuted people. 
he watched as people were, were killed and put to death for what they believed. And then for legalistic righteousness, faultless. So there's nothing you could hold against him. So Paul says, if anyone can boast, it would be him. Now, what does it look like for us? What does it look like for us? Uh, maybe you would just say, look, I've come from a long line of people who have always followed Jesus. My granddad sat on the board of the church. He was an elder and my dad was and my mom always served and I come from this lineage. Yeah, of course I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm, my family is. Or you would say, look, I grew up going to Sunday school. I never miss Sunday school. Some of you still don't miss Sunday school. And, and some of you would say, I, I, I haven't missed a Sunday morning worship service in years. I can't miss. No matter what happens, I have to be there. I read the Bible every day and even memorize large portions of it. Look how good I am, God. Look at everything that I could show you, God, that I'm doing right. And then you would say, I never, I never curse. I mean, I don't say the real curse words. I just say the made-up curse words that we all say. But I don't say the bad curse words. I, I just do those other ones. I don't listen to secular music. Some of you, I know this, some of you, even at some point, you may have come together with a youth group if you're a little older and you like burned certain records. <laughs> records, right? You burned tapes, cassette tapes and, and CD. You, I don't listen to that kind of stuff. Look, God, look how good I am. I don't listen to that kind of music. I don't watch rated R movies, except if it's about Jesus being crucified. I watch that rated R, but I don't watch any other rated R movies. Like, look how good I am and look at the things I don't do. I tie 10% of everything I make and I give back. I'm generous. I volunteer outside of the church and I volunteer inside. I even work with kids. I work with children. God, look how good I am. So this would be our credentials. If we were going to stand up and say, if anyone has anything to boast about, I could boast about these things. Look at how pleased God would be with me. And so when we put confidence in our flesh, this is what we do. We approach God and we say, look at all I do. God, look at what I don't do. Look at, look at all I've, I have for you or I have done for you or I haven't done. And we, we present this list to God and so it's this confidence in who we are and we expect God to be pleased with us and accept us. And so we put our righteousness, our right standing with God based on this list. But then Paul's going to say, who cares Paul's going to boast about everything he is and everything he's done, and he's basically going to say, who cares? Who cares? Verse 7 and 8. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything, everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul, so those, those things I listed aren't bad things. But those are good things. I hope you are reading the Bible. It'd be great to memorize scripture. It's great to be generous. It's great to be determined to be here whenever you can be here. Those aren't bad things. But Paul's saying that, that all is a loss compared to knowing Jesus. That stuff doesn't matter anything compared to knowing Jesus. Because oftentimes what we do with it is it becomes the self-improvement modification, self-improvement project or a behavior modification. Nothing necessarily happens in our heart, in our mind, in our soul. I just begin to kind of look different. And I associate it with different people and I get rid of the bad things. But, but do I know Jesus? Do I know Christ? And do I understand that the rest of that pales in comparison to knowing who Jesus is? The self-improvement project gets us nowhere. 
Nowhere. Paul says it's a loss. So I've talked about this for a while, and I, I've been putting a shed up, it feels like, for 20 years. It's been like six months. And I finished most of it. I finished it uh, this weekend. I got my roof on, and I got my shingles on. And, and here's what I know. When I go out and look at it, I see everything wrong. Like the shingles are off in places, and I didn't do things right. There's things that don't fit. And I could step back, and I could be like, God, look how good that is. But if a master builder came, heck, if some of you came and looked at my shed, you'd be like, that's not exactly what it's supposed to look like. You can put stuff in it, but that's not exactly what it looks like. This is the deal. We can approach God and say, God, look how good I am. It pales in comparison to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. So you can present, I can present all our do's and don'ts to God, but it'll never be good enough. It'll never be good enough. Now, isn't it interesting that it's only been 10 years for the people that Paul's writing back to? Yeah. And that he says, I've said this already once and I'm saying it again because we forget. And so the expectations we put on ourselves is, is I'm gonna create this list and God will be pleased with me. But the expectation God has for us is the list doesn't matter. What matters is knowing him and what he's done in spite of all of those things. So the do's just bring us back to God. The do's bring us closer in relationship to him. The don't save us a lot of hurt and regret and shame. Yeah. Those aren't bad things. But the purpose is knowing Christ. I mean, just think about it. Even if you could attain all the moral achievements, if you could reach moral superiority, if you could clean your life up completely, if you somehow manage to never struggle again, that you're at church every time the door's open, you know the right things to say, but you don't have Jesus, who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter. Think about getting a promotion, right? Think about the possibility of getting a promotion. So you do everything you can to get it. You work 60 hours a week. You, you, you cut people off. You, you do whatever you have to do to get it. And then in the end, you've lost your family. You've lost your kids. You've lost your friends. Your coworkers can't stand you. Who cares? And so it's, it's the same with Jesus. If you can do all the right things and you can avoid all the wrong things, but if you don't know Jesus, then who cares? Now, Paul's not done. This is one of my favorite scriptures there, there is to teach on and one of my favorite with when I was a youth pastor to talk about. And that says this. It says, I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now, now Paul says it's all lost, like none of it matters. And then it was almost like Paul says, I don't know if that's gonna matter to you enough. So I need, to go, I need to go strong. I need to do more. And so he says, I consider all of that rubbish. Now, rubbish isn't necessarily a word that we use, uh, but in the uh, original language, it's skubalon. Skubalon. And it literally means dung. It means excrement. Put it in our language, and some people see this as a bad word. It means crap. It literally, Paul is saying that's all crap. It's all, and and here's, the, here's the thing that you kind of, you kind of get, like, it takes you back, right? Yeah. To, to think that that's in the Bible, it like, you, you kind of perk up a little bit. You're like, did Paul really say, I'm, I'm, this is literally what Paul is saying because he can't think of another analogy that is strong enough. Ten years ago, I, uh, I said just right back here, I had just gotten to Trinity and uh, Kennedy was just a few months old and I'm holding her. She's in her beautiful Easter dress and... And so I'm sitting there with, with Kennedy, and then all of a sudden I kind of smell something. 
and I smell something. And, and so I realized that she had, that she had gone to the bathroom. She pooped. And so I, I get up and I think, okay, I'll just go, I'll go change her diaper. And as I walk out, I realize that she had had one of those explosive ones yeah. where if, you, if you're not a parent, you don't really understand, but it like explodes out the back and you think, how does that possibly happen? Yeah. And so it's now all over her beautiful dress, but not only is it all over her beautiful dress, it is all over me, right? So my legs up to about my stomach, it is all over me. And so I make my way out and I sit in the lobby and no one's out there. I don't know what to do. My wife is in here not knowing what's going on. She's thinking I'm out changing a diaper and I'm just sitting there literally with poop all over me, right? It's disgusting. Right? It's disgusting. It, it, I, I could go on and on. I, Paul is like, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to say. Everything you're attributing to your own confidence and the hope that you're putting in yourself is crap. It's crap. So he says, what, what really matters is this faith that comes in Christ. Not all the other stuff, not all the do's, not all the don'ts, but it comes in this faith in who Jesus is and that alone. That alone. So this pursuing righteousness is pursuing Jesus. So pursuing the way of life God wants for us is by pursuing Jesus and Jesus alone. Now here's the dangerous part for a lot of Christians, and I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on this, you can read all about this, is a lot of people have not really put their faith in this Jesus that Paul talks about. What they have is this moralistic, therapeutic deism. I'll say that again. So if you wanna write it down, if you wanna read more about it later, moralistic, therapeutic deism. And this is what those people would say. And I would guess that many of you would probably fit into this at times. They believe that a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Okay? God wants people to be good, to be nice and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most world religions. That the central goal of life is to be happy and to feel good about oneself. And God wants me to be happy. God wants me to have everything I... I want, and, and he, obviously, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. I don't think about God, I don't need God, I rarely pray, oh, but when things are going wrong, I go to him. And then the last thing is that good people go to heaven when they die. Who's good? Who, who's good? I mean, I, I can compare myself to those people and I see myself as good and I've, I can put the confidence in my own flesh. But this is not the gospel. This is not the gospel. The gospel is about knowing Jesus and knowing what he's done for us. And so at some point with the right motives, hopefully you've asked God for forgiveness and you've believed in this grace and that there's nothing you can do to earn it. You're not so bad that God won't give it to you. But you're also not so good that you don't need it. Yeah. You're also not so good that you don't need this grace that God gives it, gives it to us. And so we put these expectations on ourselves, these huge expectations, and we'll always let ourselves down. We'll always let ourselves down. But here's the other dangerous thing that happens, is if we believe this and we put our confidence in our flesh, we begin to do that to other people. So we judge others and, and, and we say, well, there's no way they're a follower of Jesus. 
There's no way that God would forgive them. And so what happens is not only do we affect us with those expectations, but it affects the people around us. And so you just have to be honest with yourself. And you have to ask yourself, where is that happening in your life? Where are you putting your confidence? How often do you go to God and say, look how good I am, or look what I've avoided? And this is often what happens, and this is a, this is a way to tell. When you get mad when God doesn't do something that you've asked. Because normally what happens for us is, God, I've, been, I've done everything you've wanted me to do. I've done everything you wanted me to do. I've avoided all the things I'm supposed to avoid. God, why are you not doing this? And so we've put the confidence in our flesh and said, well, God, obviously you should be happy and pleased and you should give me what I'm asking. This is dangerous. So where is that happening in your life? Or where have you placed more importance on what you're doing instead of your affection towards Jesus and knowing Jesus? Where do you think you're earning God's love? Where do you think you're earning God's forgiveness? And what would it take to get back to what God has done for you? Okay, let, let's, let's, let's go on. Uh, verse um, 10 through 12, Paul just quickly says, look, I just want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to share in his sufferings. I want to know Christ. He doesn't say I want to know about Christ. Right? It's good to know about Christ. It's good to study the Bible. It's good to get in conversations with other believers. But, but it's not just knowing about Christ. It's knowing Christ and knowing him in a way where it changes our lives. And then Paul makes a really encouraging statement. And this is what we'll end with. 12 through 14. He says this, Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straying toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that Paul in this moment says, I forget sometimes. I'm not quite where I want to be. And so it's okay if you find yourself thinking, man, I don't do a very good job of just trusting fully in God. It's okay. What's Paul saying here? Look, he doesn't either. He hasn't obtained it. He isn't where he wants to be. He still makes mistakes. He still clings to his own goodness at times. He puts confidence in his own flesh. He believes his do's and his don'ts or what pleases God. And, and, and so Paul says, this is what I do. I, I press into it. I press on. And so it's this idea that daily, we're going to press into pursuing Jesus, that daily, don't wait till Sunday to Sunday and you'll learn a little bit, but daily we press into knowing who God is. And so you, you pray and you read scripture and you pursue Jesus. Remember, those aren't bad things. Those aren't earning God's love, but that's knowing more about who God is. And so we daily press on we daily remind ourselves. And so one of the things that, that I am trying to do with my kids is to, to help them with their identity. To help them with their identity because this is what will happen is you will question, even as an adult, young adult, older adult, you will question your identity. And the longer you follow Jesus, the more you'll wonder, did God really save me? Is God's grace really available to me? Can I really believe that? And so when I pray for my kids at night, I say two things. This comes from scripture. I say, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Yeah. Nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. And I say this, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yes. Nothing. And so Kennedy the other night, she says, you pray that for me every night. I said, yeah, I think it's really important. And she said, she goes, I just want you to know, I pray it too when you pray it. I'm wanting to speak into her life where she actually believes those things. She doesn't hear about it. It's just not this idea, but she actually, 
actually believes it. She believes it, not putting her hope in her own self or her own flesh or her own uh, doing or not doing, but fully and completely in who God is. And then Paul says this, he forgets what's behind. If anyone needed to forget what was behind, it was Paul and everything he had been a part of. He says, I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm straining toward what is ahead. And so some of you may need to do that. Some of you continually look back into your past and you think, God couldn't forgive me for that. God, I, I couldn't be used because of that. Paul says, look, I haven't obtained what I'm wanting. I'm still getting there. And the way I do that is I press into who God is and I forget about everything behind me, good and bad. And daily, I put my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Have you? I mean, have you really? Not, not the list of do's and don'ts, but have you really at some point believed in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of your lists, that God truly loves you, that nothing could separate you from that love, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and your response is to believe that and to accept it for yourself. Have you done that? If not, today would be a great day to do it. Today would be the ideal day, not to wait, not to wait till you figure everything out, but just to say, I fully surrender and believe that God has forgiven me in the midst of all of that. And so we pursue God out of that. We don't do those things so God will be pleased with me, but we pursue God out of knowing what he's done on our behalf. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for today and thank you for uh, just another opportunity to come together and to learn uh, more about you. But as I said, God, uh, we don't wanna know just about you. We wanna know who you are. We wanna push into to, to more of your life so it reflects to the people around us. God, would you help us as we fight against putting hope in ourselves? being confident in how good we are, that we're not as bad as other people? Would you help us to fully believe that our righteousness, God, our right standing before you comes because of what you have done through Jesus. Help us to cling to that today, to press into it, and to forget what's behind. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.